You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to the Brandy Show. Hi, everybody. I'm Jim Brandstatter, and this is my podcast. We'll get together every week to talk about football, primarily the University of Michigan Wolverines and the Big Ten Conference, with occasional forays into the national picture. We'll also keep up with the Detroit Lions and the NFL. Along the way, we'll have some surprises. We'll certainly have some fun guests and take a tangent or two that has nothing to do with football, like old movies or cooking. Who knows what? Sit back and relax and enjoy The Brandy Show. And welcome, everybody. Uh, good to have you along this week. Uh, this is going to be fun this week because we're going to talk about Michigan. They opened the season with a 24-17 loss to Notre Dame. I will weigh in on that, and I will weigh in on the fallout post-loss uh, to Notre Dame. We'll also take a look at the Big Ten and, and my impressions of the first weekend of the season in the Big Ten. A couple of interesting games. Everybody won that was supposed to win, but a couple of those wins were tighter than expected. Our trivia too deep this week. You can figure out the Detroit Lions starting offense in 2013. I'll tell you all about it when we uh, get to our special guest, who is Justin Rogers. He is a uh, beat writer for the Detroit Lions and the Detroit News, and he covers the Lions for the Detroit News, but he also covers the NFL. And since this is the opening weekend of the National Football League season, uh, we thought it would be a good time today uh, to really preview what's going on in the NFL. Also, what's going on with the Detroit Lions after a 1-3 and three start in the preseason? They open up on a Monday night against the New York Jets. So we'll kind of get a look at what is happening with the Detroit Lions as we go forward. So let's get started with our Michigan versus Notre Dame uh, story. Notre Dame won the opener in South Bend 24-17. Now the fallout has been pretty crazy, but I want to give you my analysis before we get into the morass of some of the fallout. First of all, uh, everybody wanted to know about Shea Patterson. I mean, he was going to be the starting quarterback. That was the name on everybody's lips prior to this game. Uh, since spring football, really, uh, the transfer from Mississippi was going to be the savior of the program. Well, I thought Shea Patterson did okay. I mean, he moved well. Clearly, he can roll out in the pocket and throw on the run extremely well. But I also don't think that we can judge him after just one game. And I saw some people saying, oh, we still don't have a quarterback. Well, folks, give it a rest, huh? That's just one game. Now, remember a few years ago when Michigan got a transfer by the name of Jake Rudock from Iowa? The kid was taken off the scrap heap at Iowa when Kirk Ferentz, the coach there, said, you're not going to start. I've got this junior who's going to start. And Rudock, as a senior, a graduate senior, said, okay, I'm leaving. I'm going to go play somewhere else. He went and played at Michigan. In his first game, we went to Utah, and Michigan lost the game, and he threw two or three interceptions. I forget which. And everybody thought, oh, no, this is going to be no good. Well, do you remember what happened at the end of that year? He was the MVP in the game, the bowl game down in Florida against Orlando. Uh, against Florida, rather, in Orlando. And he threw touchdown passes, and he was just unbelievable. Jake Rudock is that same guy. That's in the NFL to this day. So let's give Shea Patterson a little bit of a break here. And I think Shea Patterson has great opportunity, I think, to improve and get better because he's already shown flashes. And in my opinion, I think this kid's going to be pretty darn good. Even though they lose 24-17 and he could play better, he also needs some help. 
in my opinion, uh, if Shea Patterson gets that help from the offensive line and a running game, he's going to be just fine. And that takes us to our next point of this game, which was the offensive line. It was not as good as it needs to be, okay? I agree with that 100%. The running game uh, with Karan Higdon and Chris Evans can be explosive. We both know that they can run the football. We've seen them do it before when they get the opportunity and get holes. But they didn't have that against Notre Dame, and that's a function of the offensive line. Look, both of those guys, both of those running backs, had 200-yard games a year ago. And one of them was in the same game against Minnesota. So it can happen. They are good running backs. The problem is getting them the opportunity to exploit their skills by creating holes up front. And the other thing is that offensive line has to do a better job of protecting for the pass and blocking the blitz. Now, you say that's great to say, but the point is the guys that are playing up front are the guys we have. We can't go out and draft a whole new group of offensive linemen. That doesn't happen in college football. So the young men that play up there are the young men that ultimately are going to get the job done. And that depends upon good coaching and them looking at themselves in the mirror and getting better each and every week. But it's only game one. And if they show improvement each and every week, believe me, by the end of the year, you're going to be just fine with this offensive line. The other big surprise, in my opinion, was the defense. The defense in the first half did not play well. And and this was going to be the strength of this football team, the defense. They were ranked number one in the country a year ago. And then in the first three drives against Notre Dame, the Irish just went down the field and got the job done. And that, to me, was the biggest surprise of the game. Now, if you're saying, oh, the defense was horrible, wait a minute. Back up a minute, okay? Wimbush, the quarterback at Notre Dame, agreed in the first half, 8 of 11 for 138. And uh, he threw a touchdown in there, too. But in the second half, his numbers were 4 of 11 for 32 yards. He had an interception. And in Notre Dame's final seven drives, they got a field goal, five punts, and a turnover. Now, that's the Michigan defense you expect. In the second half, they played well enough for Michigan to win the game. So let's not throw the defense out either. They played well enough in the second half to win the game. They adjusted. Don Brown did a good job where they get torched in the first half, and in the second half, they don't. So let's look at the big picture here before we start saying, oh, all is lost and the sky is falling. It is not. This is a decent football team, and I think that they can improve and go forward. Now, in the past, I've been chastised for taking a calm and less strident approach when it comes to Michigan's difficulties in certain games. Well, you know what? If you're out there and you want to rip me, go ahead, rip me. Because what do you expect of me? My job isn't to make you happy by ripping some team or player. That's not going to happen. So don't expect it. And if you're disappointed, tough luck, live with it. I'm not here to validate your frustration. I'm here to give you an informed and level-headed analysis. If you don't like it, that's not my problem. It's yours. And if you want to go out there and complain and be frustrated and yell and scream and tell kids that they're not any good, you know what? That's your problem, and you got to get a grip. Let this season play out. Let the kids improve. Shem Beckler once told me back in the day, you make your best improvement between game one and game two. Let's see how they do in game two, game three, game four before we want to throw this team to the curb. A lot of you want to do it now. Well, don't. They don't deserve it. I'm frustrated too, okay? But it's completely counterproductive to complain and rant and rave. 
You only prove when you do that that you're clueless. What's more important is to fix it, not complain about it. And it comes from within. And by tearing the players and the staff down, you are not helping them fix it. I believe in them, and I think most fans should. This team has had one loss. If they go unbeaten the rest of the way, and I know this sounds pie-in-the-sky, cherry-pie stuff, but if they do, guess what? They're in the playoffs, and they're playing for a national championship. Now, will that happen? I don't know. You can't predict it won't. I can't predict it will. But the fact remains, the possibility still exists. For this team, as talented as it is, I believe that they can improve. I believe they can get better. And I believe, more importantly, they need support. They don't need people tearing them down. Speaking of tearing them down, this is one of the most disappointing things about the opener. Former player Braylon Edwards. Edwards uh, sent out a tweet on Saturday after the game. And he said, Ruiz is weak. The line is weak. Shea Patterson is scared. Michigan offense is predictable. Michigan football is sadly one thing, trash. For those remarks, and he used a profanity in there that uh, ultimately got him suspended from the Big Ten Network. And I think he should have his uh, Michigan card suspended too. I mean, you're a former player, right? You don't need to say that kind of stuff. That's uncalled for, and it shows that you are not supporting your university or your team. That's not the way you do business. But Braylon Edwards chose to have the story be about him and his brilliant football mind and prowess. How about this tweet as opposed to Braylon's from a Heisman Trophy winner, Charles Woodson. Here's his tweet. It's not how you start, guys. It's how you finish. Doesn't you think that makes a little more sense? Doesn't that support the program a little bit more than what Braylon Edwards said? I just think uh, Braylon made a huge mistake. And um, in many ways, that tweet, because of who he is and what he wants to do in the rest of his life, which is stay in the broadcasting industry and work for the Big Ten Network, um, it's really cost him a great part of his career. Here's another tweet that I want you guys to think about. Uh, It's about a fan. It's about a young boy, young man, who has had his problems in life. Uh, His name is Larry Prout. Now, Larry Prout was born with spina bifida. Uh, The first 18 months of his life he spent in Mott Hospital. First three months on a ventilator. Back and forth he went to the hospital. One stay was six months. He's now 17 years old. He's had over 90 surgeries. He didn't walk until he was nine years old. He said his first words at three. And you know what his favorite times at Mott Hospital were? Thursdays, when the Michigan football players would come and visit the hospital. He has become kind of like a member of the team now. I see him and his parents at practice quite a bit. And I got to tell you what, this kid is an inspiration. What he's been through in his life and... uh He's now kind of a mascot, and all the players know who he is. When they walk off the field and he's there in his wheelchair, they give him a high five, and he's always wearing his amazing blue. Here's what Larry Prout tweeted. I'm proud of my University of Michigan football team. It hurts to lose. When I'm in the hospital, I feel depressed and like I'm losing. It hurts my heart, but I don't give up hope. I can't wonder why or get mad about it, or I'll never get better. Go forward. And never give up. I'd like to read that again. I'm proud of my team this weekend. It hurts to lose. When I'm in the hospital, I feel depressed 
and like I'm losing. It hurts my heart, but I don't give up hope. I can't wonder why or get mad about it, or I'll never get better. Go forward and never give up. That's from Larry Prout, a young man that has spent more time in the hospital than Braylon Edwards has spent on a football field. I will guarantee you that. And all the years that Braylon spent on a football team, I'll bet you money. Larry Prout has spent more time in the hospital, and yet he loves this team. This team loves him back. And he is one of those guys that cares. That's the way you support your team. There's one other thing I'd like to close this whole segment out in regards to Michigan and their loss to Notre Dame. And I go back in the uh, annals of uh, Michigan history to one of the greats, Bo Schembechler, who I know. And Bo Schembechler has a great speech. It was called The Team. He gave that speech to the team. It's on YouTube. It's all over the place. You can see it if you want. But here's what he said, portion of that speech. He's talking to his team about winning a Big Ten championship. I quote, no man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team. The team. And if we think that way, all of us, everything that you do, you take into consideration, what effect does it have on my team? Think about the effect Braylon Edwards' words had on that team. It wasn't good when he called out two players. It wasn't good when he called out the coach. That didn't help the team, did it? Continuing with Bo. We're going to believe in each other. We're not going to criticize each other. We're not going to talk about each other. We're going to encourage each other. And when we play as a team, when the old season is over, you and I know it's going to be Michigan again. Michigan. Repeat. We're going to believe in each other. We're not going to criticize each other. We're not going to talk about each other. We're going to encourage each other. That's the fallout from Michigan's loss to Notre Dame that we should be having right now. We should be encouraging each other. This team needs to do that, or all the negatives out there that are going around are going to manifest itself with more negatives, and that's not what we need. Let's move on to the Big Ten. Uh, the most impressive win, in my opinion, in the Big Ten Conference this first uh, weekend, without question, I think it was Maryland beating Texas. I don't know whether you guys agree with me out there, but Maryland is in a state of real problems with their coach not there. Matt Canada is an interim coach. DJ Durkin has been suspended because of uh, charges that they coached by intimidation. And uh, they had a young player die in the offseason because of overworking him during a hot day. This whole thing is blown up. And yet Maryland goes out and beats Texas, which is a big upset, given the fact that Maryland was in such a mess. And to me, that shows that those kids on that team have great character. They have great emotion. And it goes back to a saying that I was told many years ago, don't ever underestimate the emotions of an 18 and 19-year-old kid. Those young men stood up in the face of adversity, in the face of all kinds of controversy swirling around them. They hung together as a team, and they went out and beat Texas for the second year in a row. And Texas was favored. They're a big-time team, and Maryland was expected to go nowhere, and they beat Texas in their opening weekend. That, to me, this past weekend was the most impressive win in the Big Ten. Other big games, I thought, that were very good wins for their teams. Northwestern goes into Purdue and beats Purdue. That's a battle in the West. Northwestern, in order to have a shot, uh, because they've got Wisconsin and uh, they've got Iowa, those, those teams are going to be tough. So Northwestern had to go on the road in this opener. 
and play on a hot day down in uh, West Lafayette. And they did a nice job. Northwestern's win over Purdue I thought was very big. And also Iowa beating Northern Illinois. Northern Illinois is one of the better MAC teams out there. And Iowa has always had trouble in openers, but Iowa got the victory over Northern Illinois. That, I think, uh, bodes well for Iowa, Kirk Ferentz, and his team. There were blowouts, of course, over the first weekend. Ohio State you know, beats Oregon State easy. Wisconsin over uh, Western Kentucky. Minnesota beats New Mexico State. And Rutgers uh, defeats Texas State. But those are all big blowouts, in my opinion. Uh, I call these raise-your-eyebrows games. Michigan State beats Utah State 38-31. Now, Michigan State was supposed to win. It was at home. It was at night. Uh, 38-31, and uh, late in that game, Utah State had a win or had a, had a lead. Now, I give State a lot of credit coming back and winning that football game. But still, that kind of raises your eyebrows a little bit because one of the strengths of the Michigan State team, you figure, is their defense. And yet Utah State, with a up-tempo, kind of a run-shoot type game, uh, put 31 on the board against the Spartans. Um, the one other thing I thought about the Spartans that I saw was that Brian Lewerke, the quarterback there, that kid is really good. He has uh, grown up. Last year was his first year starting, but he, to me, makes plays with his feet stays alive in the pocket when the pressure gets to him, and he's able to make plays downfield to his receivers. And a couple of years ago, Michigan State's receivers couldn't catch a cold. Well, now those guys can catch everything. Their receivers have really improved, and uh, uh, I think Milwaukee and their receivers were, to me, the most important and impressive thing about Michigan State's win over Utah State. And the other game that I think that raised everybody's eyebrow, Penn State in their opener at State College had to go to overtime to beat Appalachian State 45-38. Now, this is one of those games that if App State wins, and they could have. They had the lead uh, inside of two minutes. Uh, they could have won. That would have been as big an upset as when App State beat Michigan. Uh, and But Penn State came back, and, and, and the key there is their quarterback. Uh, this Trace McSorley for Penn State, he's the real deal. Uh, he makes plays. He leads that team. Offensively, that's... Uh, that's the real deal. Uh, Penn State and McSorley, and I think in the beginning of the season, if you look at uh, quarterbacks who are leading the way toward maybe an all-Big Ten type selection, Haskins at Ohio State and uh, McSorley at Penn State. McSorley's got a, a year under his belt where he was brilliant. Uh, I think he's got the inside track, at least the early lead uh, for Penn State based on what he did against Appalachian State. So that's the story on the Big Ten. Coming up, we're going to talk about the National Football League and the Detroit Lions. This coming weekend is the opening weekend for the National Football League and the Detroit Lions. So we're going to get a look at the entire season. Who's going to be the best out in the AFC West? Who's going to be the best in the NFC North? The Lions, the Bears, the Green Bay Packers, the Minnesota Vikings. We'll find all that out from Justin Rogers, who is the beat writer for the Detroit Lions and the NFL writer for uh, the Detroit News. Um, the other thing we're going to do is we're going to play our trivia too deep with Justin. And I told you at the beginning of the podcast that this week's, uh, trivia too deep are the Lions offense in 2013. Who were the starters? We'll get back and we'll have that for you when we return. This is the Brandy Show. The Brandy Show is a Zing Media Group production. Zing Media Group. Tell your story. Welcome back, everybody. We are now going to get after the National Football League. This is opening weekend for the National Football League and the Detroit Lions. And we are joined by Detroit News Lions writer and NFL expert, Justin Rogers. Justin, it's great to have you on the Brandy Show. 
Hey, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. You betcha. Well, Lions are one and three in the preseason. Um, what do you think? What does that portend for the season? You know, I, I think uh, hopefully nothing is probably the philosophical <laughs> of the organization's philosophy. Uh, you know, we we saw a defense that was carved up with with relative ease, but you talk to the coaches here and they, they generally believe that they weren't showing anything in the schemes. They were working more on player evaluations, situational football, and we really haven't seen anything this defense has to offer. So we're, we're all kind of in the dark together. I think that's, that's an okay place to be, but um, offensively, we know what this offense can bring. We, we think that they've, they've kind of started to alleviate some of the run game issues with, uh, some of the offensive line additions with the additions of LeGarrette Blunt and Carrion Johnson. So I think the offense is good. We know what that's going to be. We know it's going to probably be a top 10 unit in the NFL. The defense, it, you know, it's, it's wait and see. Yeah. Here's, here's my question. And this is kind of one of those red flags. Uh, we could go, I think after the Cleveland preseason game, coach Patricia got up and said, look, this isn't going to happen overnight. Uh, it's going to be a process and a long process. Did that like, start to bother some people from a nine and seven team a year ago thinking that you're going to take a step back. Did he take some heat for that? You know, I think, you know, I, I heard the words and, um, you know, of course my, my ears perk up when I, when I hear something like that, but I, I think it was one of those cases where he got in the mode of using coach speak and didn't quite comprehend what he was saying and what those words would mean to the fan base. You know, the way coaches look at, even a given season, it's a long road to get from right. preseason week four to to up to full speed of what a roster can be. Uh, you've heard things in the past with with Patricia saying, you know, really, you know what you have and where your team is heading around Thanksgiving. I mean, that's a long way away. It's hard to to think like that. You know, the Patriots could always get away with thinking like that because they knew that they had Tom Brady under center and he was going to get them enough victories to where they would be comfortably in the driver's seat of their division anyway. The Lions don't have that luxury. Not saying that Matthew Stafford's not a good quarterback, but uh, you know he hasn't been able to carry them to division title after division title after division title like like Brady. So um, you know there there is a general concern of what what does a long time mean. But I, I don't think Patricia was saying I need a five year plan here. I think it was just a I need more time within this season to determine what we really are. Well, that's encouraging for a guy like me who thinks 9-7 and seven last year this team was pretty good, and uh, I think most of the fans out there feel that this team can improve upon that. So a long time kind of got my attention, but that explanation's fine, and I'll work with that. In the meantime, this is your – how many years have you been with the Lions now? Yeah, I'd, I'd like to forget sometimes, <laughs> but uh, I, I think I came on board – 2011, right? Uh, so, so you've been around. Um, you've been around a little. Start that year. Yeah, you've been around a bit. How is the Patricia regime kind of uh, playing out in this first preseason and his first year as the head coach? Uh, they're very close to the best. <laughs> I mean, if, if I'm trying to put it in, I, in the nicest possible terms, so, so it's like New uh, England, you know, the, New England uh, West. <laughs> it it certainly has those elements. You know, the the players are very highly coached in how they interact with the media. You know, cliches are um, coming at you a mile a minute, and you know, almost every topic is off topic. You know, it really is, and so, um, you know, that's some of that's just being a new coach and getting a feel for 
um, the relationship with the media and how it in- interacts with um, your fans and your players. But in terms of the actual practice tenor, you know, I, I would say that, that things have taken a step toward the serious here. You know, I, I don't want to discount the the efforts and the energies that Jim Caldwell or Jim Schwartz put into their practices and their preparations, but um, the the level of all business all the time has has taken a step up, and the the physicality of these practices throughout training camp was was certainly a, a higher level than we have seen with with previous regimes here. Well, that's that's good to know. Uh, next question. Uh... Let's get right to the end of it. Better than last year? A playoff team? What do you think, given what you've seen this preseason and what you've seen from Patricia in that practice, the more physical stuff? Do you, do you like this team's chances? You know, I, I, as I mentioned earlier with the defense, I just don't know what they are. I, and I, I don't feel bad not knowing what they are. I, I feel like this is a first-year coach and he hasn't shown me anything. And, uh, you know, I could look at the personnel and I could see the holes, but is Patricia capable of covering up those holes. Like I said, I think the offense could be very good. I think it could be a top five unit in the NFL. Uh, but if, if the defensive problems that exist in the preseason, the lack of a pass rush, the lack of the ability to set an edge, um, Jared Davis, not taking the next step in his development, who's cornerback number two, if, if those things aren't solved, I think there's going to be a, a small step back this year as, you know, Patricia works more towards his second season, getting the, the right personnel in place for what he wants to execute. I did my game by game predictions for the paper. I hate doing it. I think football is impossible to predict. I, I'm with you on the that. Nature of yeah. injuries. I'm with but you I, on I that. hundred percent. Seven and nine. Seven and nine. Okay. Let me ask yeah, you this. And I think you have five coin flip games in there. So right. really it's easy to say a team could go 10 and six or six and 10. It's it's that's just the nature of the NFL. Everything's so close. If the defense is middle of the pack, I think this is a playoff team, but if it's bottom, you know, a bottom feeding defense, then good, good luck getting to 10 wins. Here's my take. And, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I look at the division and you talk about what the lines are going to do. You got to play these guys twice. And I look at the division and I look at the, since the bears got Khalil Mack, the bears, Packers and Vikings, in my opinion, all got better in the off season. Uh, and, and I think that that's a tough, that, that division is a tough one to get out of, particularly if you don't win the division, you're going to have to play on the road in the first game of the playoffs anyway. And the Lions haven't done that very well of late, but am I wrong on that? No, I think, I think the NFC North is one of the best divisions in football. You probably could make a case that it's the best division with, uh, the addition of Mac Minnesota should be, uh, one of the four or five Super Bowl favorites. You can never discount Aaron Rodgers when he's healthy and on the field. And listen, it, it's it's never an easy game with Chicago. And now you've got the, the premier pass rusher in the NFL adding to the problems there. They've filled up some other holes, uh, particularly with their receivers. Um, you know, those are going to be tough games. So, yeah, I mean, the Lions went, I believe, 5-1 in the division last year was was a big reason they were yep. you know, able to, to stay in contention so long. I don't think it's out of their own possibility they could slide all the way back to one and five if the Braves wow. don't go the way yeah. you know, their way this year. I just think the the Bears, Packers, and Vikings all got a lot better, and uh, the Lions, like I said, they pretty much stood pat. I mean, other than Patricia and a couple of this or that. I mean, Legarrette Blunt, I think was a nice pickup, and I think Carryon Johnson's going to be a darn good player. But uh, overall, I think the other guys kind of they're going to be tough to beat in the division, especially going on and playing at their place. It was very telling this offseason when, when Rod Wood, uh, team president, said that Matt Patricia was their biggest offseason acquisition. <laughs> they're banking a ton on him. Yep. They, they really are. They're, they're banking a ton on, on him being the difference with the attitude, with the preparation. And, uh, you know, I, I can't 
keep bringing it up enough. You know, what, what is this defense going to be? Is, is he really the uh, adjustments genius that, that he was in new England, or was that a, a symptom of, of having a great support system around him with the Patriots? Okay. We're going to get to the rest of the league in a minute. Okay. Justin, right now I want to play trivia too deep with you for years. You know, I broadcast lions games and I've got these two deep charts that I've had and I've saved them for years. And so on my podcast, I do this trivia too deep where I tell folks, Hey, who played offense? Who were the starting uh, 11, if you will, for the lions back in this week, it's uh, 2013. So I don't want to throw you a curve here, but I'm going to run the trivia too deep at you. 2013, do you remember who played up in the offensive line? Oh, good Lord. Um, <laughs> I don't mean to throw you the curve on that. I should have told you beforehand. But I'm going to throw well, we you the, I'll throw you the name. Gorilla. Okay, got him at center. Rob Sims. Got him at guard. Good job. I think back has retired before that season so yep. we're gonna go with riley reed you are correct you got the whole left side of the line in the center the right side's gonna be a problem uh well there's gosder i think that was his last game nope. in detroit no nope. oh he was gone yeah the right tackle oh, was so that was the waddle the, lucas rotation waddle and jason fox and at right <laughs> and, and at right guard you had dylan gandy with larry warford and warford ultimately later on that year actually started Okay. Yeah. Then, well, no, he started right out the gate. Yeah, yeah. And, and Rob he Sims, all sixteen games. Right, and Rob Sims was the other guard, but Gandy was supposed to be the starter, and then Warford beat him out. Uh, here's the wide receivers. I, I know, I know, you should get these guys. You well, got should be Calvin C- Burleson, C.J. Burleson. Oh, would that have been Titus's last year? Or no, and then Broyles came in. Broyles, Broyles, and that kid named Chris Durham was there, and, and Patrick Edwards at one point. Patrick uh, Edwards, remember that name? The the, the pride of Houston. There you he go. Was one of the best receivers in college football. Five nine one seventy five. <laughs> okay, uh, running backs. There were four. Uh, there were four of, been, uh, uh, four of them. Four of them. We had Joyke and uh, Reggie. Correct. Joyke Bell and Reggie Bush. I, Theo would have been a rookie. Theo was a rookie. But you are good, man. And oh, I don't, he no, tore he tore his Achilles. Of... This next guy tore his Achilles early. Oh, Michael. Michael LaShore. Good for you. And the quarterback, uh, they had four, three of them on the roster. You should get these guys. Uh, fan favorite, Kellen Moore. Yep. And then uh, one of my personal favorites, Sean Hill. That's correct. And, of course, Matthew Stafford. And tight ends. Uh, Brandon Pettigrew well, we brought up. Yeah, Brandon Pettigrew started, but they had a rookie out of UCLA that became "quote unquote" the fan favorite. Remember? Well, the reason I know that is because there was two undrafted guys, and we already brought up Larry Graham Waddle. So uh, we got got jumping Joe Fourier. That's the one. Good for you. I tell you what, you win. If I had prizes, you'd get one for trivia too deep this week. Well, I think my prize is just being on the show. Right? <laughs> oh well, thank you. I will use that as a promo. <laughs> All right, let's get back. That was great on Trivia Too Deep, Justin. You did a great job. Let's get go around the league now real quickly before we get into our um, our shot clock feature. Uh, AFC East, is it the Patriots all day, all long? I, I don't know how you could bet against them. I mean, it's it's not a, a there's not a real threat in that division. I think the Jets' defense is going to be really good. It's young, super talented, but nobody's, nobody's usurping the Patriots this year. Okay, AFC North, I see the Steelers and Ravens. Again, do you think the Bengals are ever going to make a run at that? 
you know, I, I like the Bengals a little bit more than the Ravens this year. Do you you know, really? I, I think T.A., Terrell Austin's going to have some fun with that, that defensive line. You know, they've got some some really nice names up front there. Uh, you know, the offensive line, I think, is my biggest concern with, with Cincinnati. If they, they spent a lot of resources on it, their first-round draft pick. They traded for Cordy Glenn, uh, formerly of Buffalo. So they, they made some efforts to get better there this year. But, um, you know, I, I could see that team sneaking in the playoffs. I don't think the AFC is that deep. Uh, but Pittsburgh's still the class of that division. Okay, AFC South. Houston, Indianapolis, Jacksonville, Tennessee. I think, you know, with Andrew Luck back, Indianapolis may make a little bit of a run. And Houston, I always wonder about because, you know, they've had such trouble with finding that quarterback, that guy. Man, I, I know he didn't play that long last year, but Watson looked fantastic in, in the stretch. I, I don't know what the game was. It was right before he got hurt. And I, I was watching in the press box, the Lions game. It was a back and forth game. I don't, the score, you know, was there's something in like the right. 42 to 38 or whatever. And Watson was just making these ridiculous plays where he was scrambling. He's got the arm strength to, to make all the throws. I, I really like him. I, you know, I, I think some people are even talking about him as a sleeper MVP. I think that's probably a bit of a stretch. I think so too. You know, Cause I, here's I the, here's the deal on that. I think that he, you know, he came in there and he lit it up and all that defenses are going to kind of get a year to know what he's going to do. Uh, I think there's always a little back off on some of that stuff when a guy comes in and really looks like he's going to light it up. Uh, And I think that may be the case for him a little bit. He's got some nice weapons, though. Oh, no, I agree with you. He's got one of the premier receivers. And you know what I like about him is I like mobile quarterbacks that don't rely on their legs, but they know they have him as an escape route. They can extend plays in and out of the pocket and still make throws. He still keeps his eyes downfield the entire time, and that's what I really like about Watson. So you like Houston. You like Houston there. I probably would still lean Jacksonville. I don't. I don't know who they're just, going to be throwing to. Yeah, just because of their defense. Mess, but that defense is yeah, awesome. Yeah. Okay, let's go AFC West: Denver, Kansas City, Los Angeles, and the Raiders. And again, you want to talk defense? I think you go Los Angeles, right? Uh, or no, that's. You know, I'm sorry, that the Chargers. My, uh, I'm sorry, I'm talking that was about my the NFC sleeper team coming into the year. The Chargers. You know, they lost two. Yeah, they lost two people. I think that that really hurt them. They lost their tight end. Um, Hunter Henry, and then they, they lost Jason Verrett, who I think is the best nickel corner in, in all of football. They still have some really good pieces. That's the best pass rush tandem in the NFL, in yeah. my opinion, between well, uh, how about Kansas uh, City? Is, and Ingram. Is Kansas City ever going to get to where they think they should be? I mean, it seems like you they know, start it, the year out and they're like world beaters and they're a Super Bowl favorite, and then like they get about two-thirds of the way through the year and they wind up being a wild card and playing on the road. I mean, what do you think about KC? I, you know, I love Andy Reid and you know, people talk about coaching trees and you look at coaching trees that have had success and Andy Reid's coaching tree is actually phenomenal, but for whatever reason, you know, his teams do well in the regular season and then tail off in the playoffs. It's, it's almost, um, every single year. I, I really like that chiefs team. I, I like the offense they built. I, you know, it's a bold move to, to, to dump Alex Smith, who I always thought was a pretty underrated quarterback, and to go with Mahomes, but they believe in him. I, I'm sure you saw that 68 yard through yeah. the air touchdown yeah. throw he, no, that was he put together impressive. in the preseason. So, um, you know, I, I, I like the Chiefs. I, I would take the Chiefs to win this division right now. NFC even West. With Mahomes. Yeah, NFC West, Rams, the Cardinals, 49ers, yeah. Seahawks. No, Rams. You could stop at that first one. The Rams, right? They're. I, I, I know they spent a lot of money this off season and, and they've got a lot of star players and sometimes that doesn't 
come together the way it should on paper. But listen, you give me those two cornerbacks, cornerbacks play on the island, they'll they'll assimilate fine. You give me Endomic and Sue, who is absolutely dominant next to the most dominant defensive player in Aaron Donald. And oh my goodness, I mean that defense is just gonna be a nightmare <laughs> for opponents. And the Lions I get, like Jimmy Lions, Garoppolo, but yeah. he's yeah. I was gonna say the Lions I, get I to see he, the Rams too, don't they? Uh, it's, it's a funny story, and I'll, I'll tell this here. I haven't really uh, put this out publicly, but I uh, went on vacation this um, year out west, and we popped into Portland, Oregon, and I was in town for a grand total of about half an hour, and my wife and I went out to lunch, and I, I said, hey, hey, honey, give me a second. I gotta go say hi to somebody. Dominic and Sue, sitting in the restaurant. You're all kidding. My, you know, and so... Um, so I was pretty surprised he actually remembered my name. So that, that counts for something, I guess. But, you know, we, we chatted a little bit about football and he, he just talked about how excited he was actually to come back to Detroit. You know, I, he said he really enjoyed his time here, but, um, you know, business has kept him away and this will be his first, you know, trip back since, um, you know, since signing in Miami. So he's excited. I'm sure, uh, Matthew Stafford is is not as excited. <laughs> well, with, neither with what he's going to face that day. Neither is Graham Glasgow. Neither is uh, yeah. T.J. Lang. All the rest of them. Hey, uh, NFC South: uh, Atlanta, Carolina, New Orleans, and Tampa Bay. Um, I love that division. Yeah. I mean, we talked about the the toughest divisions of football earlier, and I, I think I would put the South just ahead of the NFC North in terms of just top to bottom talent. Uh, I, you know, in my heart, I, I just kind of want to see Drew Brees have success down the stretch of his career. I know he's 40 now. Uh, I really liked that Saints team last year. Alma Kamara was as exciting as they come out of the backfield. I, I think they have enough talent to, to maybe fend off Atlanta, Carolina, but I could see all three of those teams making the playoffs. Yeah, it's going to be a good division, tough division. Uh, we already talked about the NFC North, um, or unless you want to talk about Green Bay Vikings and the Bears, you, you talk about the Lions, maybe not even making the top four because of the other guys. Uh, who do you like is winning that division? The NFC North. Just, I, I'm going Minnesota. You're going Minnesota? I, you know, I think the Kirk Cousins signing was was the perfect uh, fit for, for what the Vikings needed to get better. We already know their defense is sound top to bottom. They have two great receivers. They're getting back their, their talented running back and cook. They just needed the quarterback to put it all together. And, you know, it's funny. You look at the numbers. Cousins is the most efficient quarterback in NFL history, best passer rating in NFL history. And yeah, he, he doesn't do everything. He's not a big deep threat guy. He doesn't have a huge arm, but he's just a smart football player. And you give him those weapons and that defense. And, and I just, I look at that and I say, that's, that's Super Bowl favorite to me. Yep. Last one, NFC East, Dallas, New York, Philly, and the Redskins. Philly, of course, the Super Bowl champ. Uh, and Dallas, yeah, and Dallas didn't show anything in the preseason. Listen, I, I think Philadelphia was, they, they built a roster that was deep and sustainable last year. And I, I don't see any area they got worse. You know, I think they they maintained and and should be able to uh, repeat as as NFC cha- NFC East champ. Okay, okay, here we go. We're going to go to the shot clock now. This is a quickie. Uh, you uh, yeah, twenty seconds, whatever you want to take on uh, on these quick topics, and I'll throw in my two cents worth too. So here we go with the shot clock, Justin. Uh, once again, a Brandy Show exclusive. Thrills a minute, kisses you never got. Uh, a lot of people don't do this, and I understand why they don't. But anyway. <laughs> Throw it at you. Okay, uh, shot clock. Best interview, Lions locker room, past and present. I really liked Lawrence Jackson, former defensive end. Just uh-huh. a thoughtful dude. Um, 
present, uh, Glover Quinn. I was going to say consistently, yeah, consistently interesting and thoughtful. My present was uh, Glover, and also I think Golden's kind of fun sometimes. Golden Tate, absolutely. And uh, in my past, it was I got three of them: Rob Sims, Dominic Rayola, and Nate Burleson. Yeah, all three excellent choices um, for for different reasons. Yeah. I always appreciated the fire rail of Rata. I did too. Interviews never, and he, and never he, held back. And he, I was going to say, he never held his tongue, did he? Never. Okay. Best new NFL stadium last five years, say that you like. I have not been to Atlanta yet, so I, I don't have an opinion there. I I adore Minnesota's new facility. I love the dome stadium that you can open the window, but you get the natural glass. Uh, the light coming in through the glass roof. I, I just think that stadium is awesome. I, I am with you 100%. And it's awesome from the outside, too. When you drive up to it, uh, that stadium, and I, Jerry Jones and all that stuff down in Dallas is exciting and all that. He's got a car dealership at one end. But that U.S. Bank Stadium in Minnesota, in, in my opinion, is uh, special. I mean, it can you can play indoors, think- and yet you look like you're playing outdoors. That's what I like about it. Yeah, and the press box is low and open, so you get to feel like you're actually in the crowd experiencing the game. I think the only people that don't like that stadium are the bird lovers because yeah. of all the birds that run into it and die every year. Yeah. Okay, where's stadium still being used in the National Football League? Oh, I think oh, this is a hands-down winner. It's, it's got to be Oakland. Yes, absolutely. It's just trash. Oakland is uh, – it is. Walter Dell, the old stats guy for the Lions, we used to go to old RFK Stadium in Washington, and, and the – Radio booth was all the way at the top level, and you had to walk up the upper deck to get there. Walter used to call it a toilet, and that's the only thing I can tell you about Oakland. It is similar to that. Yeah, I, I mean, there's there's nothing that's even close. A lot of people don't like the Superdome in New Orleans. I I don't mind it outside of the one super slow elevator that fits like three people. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I I don't mind the the rest of that stadium and experience. And certainly, okay. New Orleans is maybe my favorite town. Best dinner spot on the road in the National Football League. I got well, two. There it is, New Orleans. New Orleans? I, I you love, got New Orleans? Yeah. I love New Orleans. I, lo- I love everything about what, it. What restaurant I, in New Orleans? You just can't get any of them. Oh. I mean, that's the thing is that that Creole, you can't get that up north. We don't we don't know how to do it up here. Okay. Well, I got I got three then because the Redfish Grill in New Orleans is my favorite. But also, Joe's Stone Crab in Miami and uh, St. Elmo's in Indy, those are pretty darn nice dinner spots. Indy is an underrated food town it in is. general. I mean, go in there for the combine every year for five days. We we found pretty much all the spots in that town has to offer, and I, I like a lot of them. Okay, last one on our shot clock. Uh, best press box food? Oh, Tampa Bay. And we just came back from that one as well, but they they overwhelm you with variety. And listen, anybody that has a carving station, three, they have my heart. Three carving stations. <laughs> I could I couldn't agree more. Best press box food, hands down. Is Tampa Bay. Yeah. I mean, when you're the best, you're the best, and people know it. All right. Hey, Justin, thanks so much. Really appreciate you hey, coming on me. and uh, joining us on the Brandy Show. Good luck this year. Have fun, okay? I will. All right. Talk that's Justin Rogers on the Brandy Show. He writes for the Detroit News, and he gave us our NFL preview. And I'm glad to have him because we covered a lot of stuff and hope all of you out there enjoyed it. Hey, I want you all to remember, tune into Michigan football games on News Radio 950 in Detroit. Uh, this week, we're playing the Western Michigan Broncos noon kick, 11 o'clock pregame. Turn your TV volume down and your radio volume up.
Also, nationally, you can get it streaming on radio.net. Every Sunday morning at 10.30, don't forget to watch Inside Michigan Football on WXYZ, Channel 7 in Detroit. And if you get the chance, come across my Facebook page, Jim Brandstatter. Remember to like it and join our adventures on Twitter. It's simple. Just follow at Jim Brandstatter. Special thanks to the folks at Podcast Detroit and Zing Media and our producer, Kathleen Stevens, for helping us out get this show out this week. Thanks very much for joining us. Don't forget, next week, same time, same place, The Brandy Show.